0: Now, if that's okay, please come and join us. Those four wise people, they're not coming. They're scared. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Give them a round of applause, these guys. So I'm going to ask that you just take a seat, you guys, because I'm going to go and sit down. (laughs) No, I won't do that to you. Uh, Currently, I have about eight questions that have been uh, sent to me. Um, You can still uh, send questions to us even now in the service. Um, if I, I need to say to you that um, these guys have had no time to really think about these questions, really. In fact, James saw it when he walked in here today, uh, tonight. So let's be fair to these guys. Uh, they're answering it on, on the spot, okay? Um, if you're not happy with the questions that's been answered, then please corner me afterwards, or corner one of these guys afterwards, and we'll try and elaborate on that just a little bit more if necessary. If we come to a question that we find that might be a little bit difficult or a little bit too theological, um, that probably needs a little bit more further study or something like that, then we'll take that on as on as notice, and we'll go for, and then I'll uh, we'll go through that a little bit further, and we'll answer it through the bullet, bulletin for you. Okay, is that all understood? Yeah. So if a question's uh, been answered tonight and you want further information or you want to discuss it further, you can corner one of us tonight uh, as we go along. So, right now, we're going to go through the questions uh, as we go and see how we go uh, with this. If anyone, so the, the chance of uh, texting it to us, I thought the number was going to come up there, but it hasn't come up there. Uh, oh, it is up there. Okay. It'll keep coming up anyway. Um, You can just text us a question as we go along. along. But I'll also give people the opportunity to ask a question. If you're not uh, uh, tech savvy and using the phones, I'll give you the opportunity to ask them questions too. So we might answer one or two and then I'll ask if there is another question from the audience uh, from there. Does that sound alright? Okay, so the first question, I hope I've got this relatively right. Uh, Was God fully God uh, or fully human when he walked upon the earth as Jesus, so the question is, as I understand it, is that uh, when Jesus came to this earth, was he God or was he man, or was he both? So that's our first question, folks. Do you want to have a little listen to have a thought about that? Oh, I was going to get my iPad too because I could Thank Google you. stuff.
1: Can I just clarify something first? Um, Steve uh, has been calling us wise people and um, and truly we're just um, brothers sister in Christ and uh, we, we don't have all the answers to questions and sometimes uh, the Bible doesn't necessarily give us those answers so um, Where people of faith as well, and and I'm sure that'll come through as we as we share and talk. So um, okay, so I understood this to be a little bit like um, was Jesus fully God and man when he walked on the earth? Well, certainly uh, from my uh, knowing and understanding the Word of God. Um, Jesus existed um, eternally uh, before creation. In fact, uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word, Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus um, was there at the very beginning because he is God. Um, Verse 2 and chapter 2, oh sorry, verse 2, you'll have to bear with us all because we've got our swords with us and um, we'll be unsheathing our swords all the way through this. Ah. Okay, let's get there. John chapter 1 and verse 2. Yeah, he was with God in the beginning and he was part of creation. He, he was in creation. He was the God who created through him. John says all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not, has not put it out really has not um, understood. So, John 17 and verse 5 says that he was also before uh, all things. Um, But the Bible also teaches that Jesus was God. And John 20 and verse 28, okay, so if you've got your Bibles, you might want to just flick through as well there are bibles in the uh, pew as well verse chapter 20 and verse 28 you remember uh jesus gets ra- is raised from the dead and he appears to his disciples but thomas is not there and then um he jesus appears to the disciples once again and thomas is there and so he asks or challenges Thomas to put his hand in the prints of the stakes and to feel the, the uh, spear uh, wound that's in his side. And, of course, Thomas says what? My Lord and my God. So here is, again, just um, another indication, another proof that Jesus was God. Now, these guys have got other things to, um, to share and to put into that as well. So I guess for me, I'm just trying to establish first up that he was God. And the question is, was he fully God and fully man? Um, so, okay. So you might want to expand on that.
2: Okay, so looking at this question, um, the two things that I sort of um, thought about were um, that Jesus has two natures, um, God and man, and each of those were fully complete. So when I look at Jesus as God, um, I sort of look at the attributes of God that, um, and there's verses all through scripture that you can look at these that back that up. Like Jesus knows everything, as God did, um, if you can look at Matthew 16:21, um, you can look at um, Luke 11:17, um, and it tells us that Jesus is everywhere. Um, he, if we look at uh, Matthew 8:26, when Jesus rebukes the wind, the wind and the waves, um, we can see that He has all power like God. Um, he depends on nothing outside of himself for life. He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Um, and as Graham said, he never began to exist or ceased to exist. So, if you look at the attributes of God, you can see a lot of those in Jesus. And then, if I looked at the um, Jesus as the Son of Man, um, I sort of look at his human qualities. And, you know, there's verses that tell us that he was weary. Um, He was born from a human mother. Um, In Matthew 4, 2, it tells us that he was hungry. And um, it also tells us, um, you know, he said, I'm thirsty. So, if you look at things like that, you can see that um, his qualities from God and then the qualities of when he was a man too. So, that sort of really helps explain it to me that, yeah, he was... Both. Both. <laughs> fully God, fully man. Yep.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. I don't want to dwell a real lot more on that. Uh, just a couple of things to think about with that as well is, um, unless you want to say something specific, um, when Jesus was baptised, God spoke, remember? He said, this is my own son. Remember that? And we see the third entity, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Yep, so we saw that. Another thing is that we saw... Uh, did Jesus know everything that was going to happen to him whilst he was on Earth? Well, I believe so. Uh, clearly, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he talks to his disciples and says, um, "We're about to be attacked, guys. Remember?" He talks about it. Oh, you can look up the Bible verses; you can do that, I'm sure. But he talks about it, so he knew what was going to happen to him. He also knew before that as well, because they were walking towards Jerusalem all the time. And before that, he said to his guys, uh, said to the guys. Uh, He said to, I think it was James and John, or Peter, James and John, he said, you guys can't come. Remember the little argument that happened with the two uh, two disciples? You guys can't take on what I've got to take on. They want to go to the left hand or the right hand side of God. You guys can't take that on because I know uh, what's in front of us. And if you want to take on that kind of a role, you you have to, you know, it's more than that. So just a couple of little things. And J.L. Packer. Uh, just take that on board. He's a writer, he's a theologian. He wrote a really good book about this particular subject. Have a look on uh, online in Google and J.L. Packer puts a lot of stuff. It's very theological uh, but it's worth uh, having a little look at that if you want to J.L. Packer. Um, okay, let's move on to our just second Just before we do,
1: uh, why did why did God become a man? I'm asking you guys now. Why Why, why does God become a man, if we believe that that is the case. And so, um, the writer of the Hebrews just explains it beautifully. And it's chapter 2 and verse 17. And it says, he says this, For this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, us, in every way. Okay? Okay? Jesus had to be made like us in every way. And then it goes on to say the reason for that. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the servant's service of God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So, uh, I mean, you already knew the answer to it for sure. Why he came. But to have the scripture backed up, um, or to have that backed up by the scripture, is important. It's chapter
0: 2 and verse 17. Okay? Shall we move on to our next question? Uh, we had a JW at our door the other day, and they said, How do you prove the Trinity? It's a really good one. Past. Does anyone know, is Trinity in the New Testament at all, or Old Testament? No uh, else I else? would
3: say in the Old Testament, in the beginning when God was creating the earth, he talks about all three aspects of the Trinity being together. Yeah. So they existed right at the beginning when the earth was being created. That's um, true. Yeah.
0: So the word Trinity is is a modern day word, isn't that right? Yeah. Okay. But it's tr- 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 Trinity meaning three, three persons, is that right? So God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Hang on Tim, I will come back to you mate, no problems at all. Um, in the New Testament, in the uh, late, I think it's in John or something like that, it closes, uh, I think Paul, you know, John closes and Paul closes in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it's referred to uh, in the Bible on a regular basis. And then you see the third time uh, when, uh, when Jesus is baptised, God the Father is speaking God the Son is being baptized, and the Holy Spirit comes into that play at that time. Um, sometimes, um, some like JWs or other or other religions, they'll put a play on word, just like we didn't have Sunday school in the Bible. Is it wrong? <laughs> you know, we still we didn't have Sunday school in the Bible. Uh, you know, it's not there, but is Sunday school wrong? Of course not. Uh, we use the word Trinity purely because it represents the three in one just going to take a question quite from Tim here.
4: I'll just keep going. Yeah, JWs have a different translation, yeah. like biblical translation That's to true. ours and all like our Christian translations have all that Trinity stuff included in it. Yep. Um, but there's this one where you don't know who did it. It's anonymous, so there's no accountability or credibility with who actually translated it. Um, and they... They claim that they keep it secret so that it's a work of God, not man, but that's just to hide who translated it. Um, And they've removed all of that stuff about Trinity. They keep downplaying Jesus as not part of the Trinity. So you'll you'll always have that issue with them with that. You have to get past why why their translation isn't credible.
1: So in that John chapter 1, their Bible or their scriptures say this, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was a God. Okay? So, immediately they're they're dragging Christ down um, and destroying the concept. You're right, there's no um, trinity to be found, the Word in the Bible, but the whole concept is there as you read the scriptures. Um, and, but they seek to destroy that. You're right, Tim. So, um, But that'll come up a little bit later probably.
0: It does too. I think we'll move on to uh, the third question and then I'm going to give opportunity if anyone has a, a verbal question they want to give to us. So the third question is, what's the difference between JWs and Mormons and other faiths? It's a good question in society today.
3: Can I tell a story in relation to that? Um, Uh, Quite a few years ago now, when we used to have a a group called Jolt, which was a a youth Bible study. Um, We we actually were in the middle of a study and we had two Mormons knock on the door and um, had an an amazing discussion. Um, It started out that um, I think there was about 12 youth or 13 youth as a big group. And me and these guys at the doorstep started having this conversation and it ended up we were just standing at the front of our place on the, the paved area just chatting about God. And eventually all the youth ended up being outside while we were having this discussion. And we, we, the, with these Mormons, um, the discussion mainly came down to um, uh, um, uh, works versus grace and um, and faith um, issue. And um, what, one of the reasons that the Mormons will always keep going around in these pairs actually um, on mission work around the thing is because um, their view is that works uh, what um, get them to heaven basically. So they have a whole, whole process of things that they do. And we ended up discussing, I think it's James chapter 2 for, for ages and ages that talk about um, this issue. And... Um, it was interesting because um, the, the discussion went on for quite a while but they were adamant that it was the works issue that as far as life is concerned in and, and getting to heaven where for us as, as Christian believers it's, a, it's all about grace and the fact that Jesus Christ has accepted us in our failure. And um, it was interesting because w- what ended up happening is when these guys eventually left and we went back in, um, Everybody in that group was really clear on the, on the fact um, that there was a massive difference to how we view God and what God had actually done for us through Jesus Christ. Um, it was a big thing for us as a youth group at the time, as a group.
2: I'm just to say, one of the things that I was always like as a kid, I, my I think my dad told me was that I think do they believe that there's like 144,000.
5: That are, yeah, that's yeah. the
2: JWs, okay, yeah. that are going to be saved and then there, so it's like God's put a cap on right. how many people can go into heaven whereas obviously we believe, you know, there's so many verses that tell us that anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved. So mm. for me that was a big sort of thing, mm. that big difference there.
0: And, and the only other comment I'm going to make about this one is that all other religions other than Christianity, it's what I have to do to uh, come in uh, into the relationship with everything. But it's what Christ has done for Christianity. That's the difference, the simple difference. It's what Christ has done for us. Uh, But for other religions it's all about earning or what I have to do. That's the bottom line. Um, Questions from the audience. Now I've got Peter running around with a mic. Um, If anyone got a question they want to verbally ask. I'm feel the pressure. It's okay. You've got a text message you can do. Uh, I was recently uh, leading on a crew camp and a question that kind of boggled us a bit and I want to see if you guys want to have a stab at it. Uh, Can we prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Gospels that we read today in our Bibles is the same Gospels that they read 30 or 40 years after the death of Christ? That's a really good question. Um, Anyone want to have a stab at that?
3: I, the only thing I could refer to is Dead Sea Scrolls which were I think about a hundred forty eight years is it?
0: 1948,
3: they were found. They were found, yeah. I was but that it was like just a bit over hundred years ago, that hundred years after they think they were it's written. It. Yeah. Um so that's I, I guess the earliest references that would confirm that scripture um was um uh, I guess considered um correct. Um so they were found um, like 60, 70 years ago and they did references back to as far as the um, scriptures today and it would confirm that scripture was um, pretty true um, to um, what it was. That's,
0: that's true. When they went back to those, and that's the earliest uh, manuscript, manuscript that they have record for, Those manuscripts, when they went through that, I'm going by grey matter here, so it's a bit rough. I think they found six different words that were different from what the Bible had written from the earliest manuscripts to what those were found in 1948. Now, there's a really good DVD video that was put together by the lead singer of Manfred Mann, which I can't remember his name. Manfred Mann used to be a group years
6: ago <laughs> I remember <Okay>. them <laughs> yeah
0: and he did a really good account on on that um so google uh lead singer of Manfred man and um explaining the bible um so and that was a really good uh dvd or actually it was a video <laughs> it's a video
3: oh dear. <laughs> but I'm sure you could probably
0: <laughs> look for it somewhere but there's some really good uh stuff on that particular one too Uh, Yes, so that's the earliest is 1948. Anyone else got comments on that? No. No? But, okay.
1: It's on. It is on. We can hear you.
7: I was having a conversation with a bro a little while ago and something he asked me, which, like, I gave it my best but I didn't really want to give any wrong information on, was um, given the fact that, like, the things we read in the gospel about what Jesus did are, like, so just insane. Like, they're crazy miracles, like, amazing things. um, Like, and, you know, word of mouth carries. How is there only one, like, lot of writings that hold that information like you would just think that if someone saw something like that, would they not would that not have been written about by everyone like do you know what I mean? Why is there only the Dead Sea Scrolls that hold any form of information about Jesus and there not be like I kind of thought, given the fact that a lot of people couldn't write and or nor afford like utensils to write like paper and pen, and then the fact that they wouldn't be kept or like that it really just traveled by word of mouth and stuff, but I suppose like I didn't really have a good answer, so I thought hit me. <laughs>
0: Good question
8: actually.
0: I'll, I'll go something off the top of my head but cut in at any time. Um, there is other manuscripts. Um, number one, there's four Gospels that wrote about Jesus and all four Gospels uh, uh, line up with one another and that's in our Bible right now.
1: There is what they call a harmony of the Gospels and even though if you read the Gospels you kind of think oh, everything's kind of out of sync Um, But it's not. If you look at the way in which the Gospels harmonise and you put things in chronological order and that's what they do Mm. uh, to harmonise it, you'll see it's just an absolute beautiful story Mm. that runs without any inconsistency, um, without any uh, way of um, contradiction or anything like that. So it, it runs really, really well. In terms of, oh, sorry James, in, in terms of those who wrote, um, well we know for instance that Mark, the Gospel of Mark was not written by Mark and um, you know it was written probably by Luke I think who also wrote Acts and um, and so but he was talking um no sorry let me just back up was written by mark who was not an apostle but peter was the one that gave him all the information so um
0: Lil? I,
3: I was just going to say in relation to that as well um, um everybody would um believe that Julius Caesar um, lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, amazingly enough, um, as, as far as history is concerned, there's actually more information about Jesus than there is about Julius Caesar. Um, so as far as um, the, the way that we understand it, um, you, the amount of information that exists um, would suggest that Jesus was real and he did the, the things that he did. And in amongst Roman history, there are references to Jesus in amongst the the history there. So um, it's uh, hmm? yeah, and that that still exists. Yeah, and uh, so there th- there is evidence um, from other places that Jesus existed and did the things that he did, um, and more information about Jesus than other people in history that we'd um, consider. Um, good information to say that they existed and did the things they did. So, yeah.
6: That's more or less what I was going to say. Um, there were very few official accounts other than co- kind of court records um, in ancient times and if people wrote letters to each other they've not survived. Um, archaeologists dig up all sorts of little bits and pieces but they don't dig up long records of things. Um, and, and it is surprising the number of accounts of, of the gospel of the life of Jesus that we've got from ancient times, by comparison with others. May I just make one minor correction? The Dead Sea Scrolls are pre-Christian; they are yeah. the Old Testament, Old not Testament. the New Testament. Hmm. But there are so many copies of the New Testament, dating or parts of, dating from ancient times, hundreds of them, um, and people tend tend to overlook that. Hmm.
0: Okay, I think we're happy with that question. Lauren, did you want to say something else about that as well? Mm. Yeah, quite possibly uh, that we don't know. Yeah, quite rightly.
1: So they they say there's a third letter to the Corinthians Mm. out there somewhere. So, yes. There'd be scriptures that were written and, yeah, were lost. yes there yeah. the Yes. Yeah. a collection that
9: Yes. Yeah.
0: I think that was done about 300 A.D. That's when they made that. Yeah. Mm.
9: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they they call it the the canon of the scriptures. That's correct.
1: And 66 books and all agreed upon by ecumenical... Uh, council basically that said these are the ones.
0: Yeah, Pete, can we have the mic to Leonie first?
6: I just wanted to share on this exact question. There is an amazing DVD out, and it's called The Christ Files by John Dixon.
1: Oh yes.
6: You know John yeah. Dixon? I think he's a some sort of theologian. He actually we've we've watched it in about five different parts, I think, and he goes overseas to Jerusalem and all these key areas and he explains how and what information they've found. It's a really good watch. I found it fascinating. Um, So that's something good to look up and get a copy of. I've got a copy if anyone wants to borrow it. Thanks.
0: Thank you for that. Lauren.
6: Just sort of following on from what we were
8: saying before. I know that oh, I'm pretty sure that Catholics have like extra books in their Bible. Why don't we have them? And like, what's the difference between that? Good question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, getting back to what Greg was saying, yeah. it was um, there were there were definite gospels and books and epistles and letters that were agreed upon by a council of church fathers so um, and that's going back um, 271 I think AD or something like that Uh, Nicene um, was the location of it all and out of Nicene came the creed as well which by the way um, is a a declaration of the things that we believe um, and you know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He was raised from the dead. And so it, there's all these declarations of our and, and statements of our faith. So, um, they de- decided on the books that spoke very much of God but there are other books that are really um, in their opinion um, and you can read them you, if you get a uh, just get a Catholic Bible and it'll have them in there. There's very little or no reference to God at all in those books. Uh, the Book of Wisdom, um, oh, well, yeah, well Ecclesiastes talks about God, but these other books uh, tend not to. So it was a decision made apparently by them to say, look, no, we, we want books that definitely point uh, people to God.
0: It tends to be more Old Testament than New Testament. It's the difference. And one of those examples that I was just trying to say there was Ecclesiastes. In our Bible, uh, we have Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1 to 12. In the Catholic Bible, I think it goes up to about 40 or something like that. Some I might know that better than I do. Um, and you, in those first 12 verses of Ecclesiastes it talks about God but it continues about it's, uh, and they still think it's still written by the same person it just goes on about more wisdom and stuff like that in that particular thing. Now I'm going to move a, a, away from here now, come back up to our questions up here because i know that we've got another five on top of this in front of us as well. Uh, so I will give you another chance to uh, have public questions again but let's move up to these ones, okay? Our next question is, number four, how are you certain that there is a God? That's a, that's a good one too. You're not
3: so? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, I, I would say no, I have a certainty because I've been a Christian for 30 years and I'm, I'm 100% absolutely convinced due to experience um just to share a little bit of my testimony, I'm a I'm a person who has a tendency to jump into things, so I I don't say no to a lot, as um, some people probably know. That's probably why I ended up here. But um <laughs> and um in relation to that, my faith's been a bit like that as well. So um, me and Rosemary um accidentally ended up going to church and in a um. Twelve months before we got married, and in that time, um, we got challenged about God, and and I started seeking out God for a number of, and a number of ways. One, the people that we met in the church were unbelievably loving and uh, compassionate towards us, was was out of the box for me um, personally, and then because we we're getting married, we went through the process of going to see the minister and that sort of thing. And I I could see that there was a difference in somebody seeking out after, so I went on that journey. Um, So that's the first part of it. Um, So I had a desire to want to find out whether this God was real or not. The second part of that is down the track we ended up going to a meeting where a guy called Bill Sabrisky was basically teaching as well as praying for people and I saw the miraculous happening. He was praying for healing and people were being healed. One of those guys was a guy that was um, would deliver our bread to to the bakery from Buttercup, um, and um, so he had a liver complaint which God healed, and so that that that, that was a big step forward for me, and because um, at the time I was going for an Anglican Church, which is a bit conservative as well, so it was extreme to what I'd been experiencing, and one of the things that this guy said to the people that were there, which was a couple of thousand people, is if he actually invited people to come forward one, people who wanted to be healed, and two, people who want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And the third, he said, if you feel like God is out there distant and you, you believe that there is a God, but you want to um, see God at work in your life, and encourage you to come forward and people will pray for you. And it, just literally, I experienced God. In, in a miraculous way, and um, I went from seeing God as being somebody who's out there to somebody who's in here, and it changed my life. Uh, that that confidence that um, from being a, quite a broken young man and um, to a certain extent a little bit hopeless was transformed to the point where I am game enough to pretty much do anything these days. I don't have a chance to I was broken from the point of view that everybody who had something to say about me I took that on board where as soon as I discovered God I realized that well God's created me the way I am i I'm God's good with me as a um he created me um, so there's all these transformations that came real to me in an instant um because I experienced God um and From that point on I've had 100% confidence. I've had days when I felt that God's distant at times but I I certainly would never ever let go of God because even when he feels distant I I hang on to that because I know he's real Um, and I keep experiencing that ongoing. It doesn't stop. Hmm.
0: Anything else you've got? Um,
2: I would say similar you James like I, um, I, I just know that I know him like and I have ex- I could say that I've experienced him and I guess the more you live as a Christian and the more you experience God um, but like as a parent you probably like you teach your children about God and you want them to believe in God and I definitely grew up you know because believing in God because my parents told me that there was a God and that was all good for a while but then I think you probably get to the stage yes. where you you need to know it for yourself. Mm. Like you guys, you know, as teenagers, you need to get your own faith, not have your parents' faith. And I think when <clears throat> I sort of started to question everything was when my home life fell apart. I was like, oh my gosh, like everything I believe. And, you know, so I started to question and look at, you know, why do I, I just believe it because mum and dad told me so. And I started getting into bushwalking a lot and I think um, the big thing for me that sort of proved God's existence um, apart from experiencing him, was creation, um, because I just can't, I just can't doubt that. And like Tim, I had to, I wrote down a few facts because he just remembers everything like crazy, man. Happy birthday, Tim! Um, <laughs> but like, sim- like things like the Earth and the, you know, how the Earth is from the distance from the sun and crazy stuff like that. If we were like tiny bit closer, we'd burn up. If we were a bit further away, we'd freeze. Like just. There's so many things like water, how it travels up a tree in reverse of gravity, um, the human brain, the eye, like a caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head. Like this is just crazy, <laughs> you know, like it's just stuff that you just, you can't deny God like yeah. in creation. And,
1: and we breathe out carbon dioxide and trees turn it into
2: oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy. And, yeah, and like God doesn't, the point that I write down is God doesn't force us to believe in him, but instead he provided sufficient proof of his existence for us to willingly respond to him. And that's what he asks us to do. He asks us to respond to him. He's done everything that he needs to prove it, but we just need to respond to him.
1: And and the scripture, I think, too, because... um, you know, you talk about salvation and the experience of that and you come to know God. Oh, absolutely, bang. I mean, it just, uh, immediately into relationship with him, there's just revelation. You know God, instant love and 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 the beginning of a, of a transformation. You see it in creation, um, you know, and you, you just stand in awe of it. But in... Um, Hebrews chapter 11 and that's the faith chapter. This is what it says here in chapter 11 verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he richly, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So um, you, you know, there's a there's a huge step of faith involved, um, but there's a, a like a promise here. As we step out in faith and we seek Him, He rewards us. And what is meant by that reward? I think it's just revelation. We see Him and we know Him and experience Him. Um, so yeah.
3: Yeah, going down the track, I mean, like I said, I've been a Christian for 30 years now. I, where I'm at now, I, I've, in the last couple of years especially, just this deeper revelation of God's love um, just keeps hitting me over and over again. And um, I was talking to a guy just the other, well, two guys in one day that I spent hours with him and um, this guy has just lost his second wife, both of them have d- died Um and um, so, eighteen months ago, he lost his second wife, um, and straight after that, he lost his mum and his dad um, in this last twelve months. Um, and he he was talking about where he was in his faith. He, he, at, at the same time as feeling broken, um, he felt like he was actually closer to God. Um, and he was talking about this faith journey, and and I. I could relate 100% to him. And he was saying we have to do things that God tells us to do. So uh, there's lots of things that God tells us to do. Um, for example, getting baptised was one of the things that was a revelation for me as I went through my Christian journey. And I saw, oh, the Bible tells me I have to get baptised, so I went and got baptised. And um, tithing was another thing for me and there's lots and lots of things where God gives out these promises. He says, if you do this, I promise to do this. And as a consequence of that, my every time I do that and then see God at work as the consequence, my faith gets built up to trust God more. And I would encourage you, if God challenges you to do something, just do it. Okay? See God at work in your life. And, and I because I've seen it so many times in my life, because I've persistently done that, and like I said, I just jump into things and I just say yes, I've seen God at work. And these days I'm just 100% confident. I just, I don't hesitate. I, I don't even, these days I'm actually at the point in my life where I don't even try and control my life. I try and step back and let God take control of my life. So I just go with the journey. Um, So I don't even try and make decisions for myself anymore. I just try and just go along with the journey. And that's the consequence of real faith and consequence of seeing God at work in my life. And I know that I know that God is real.
0: Shane, I'm just going to give Shane a a quick comment there. Um,
10: Yeah, I just want to... I remember when I was 19, Jenny and I were driving into um, into Lithgow, and we used to alternate between the Brethren and the Baptist Church um, each Sunday because Dad went to the Lithgow Baptist Church and uh, Mum went to the Brethren Church. And we were talking to each other on the way into um, into town, and we started talking about like the evidence of of God being real. And someone asked that question before, and we didn't know what Pastor Wayne Scott. It was the guy in Lithgow at the time and what he was going to be talking about and when we got there he it was um, a talk and if I, I think the sheet's in my Bible at home if I can get it I'll take a photo and post it on the Facebook but it was about the evidence of God and each and every question that we were talking about on the way from Portland into Lithgow <laughs> he answered directly and the thing, that I, the comment that I still remember and I think it's something that um, he said look into, in this thing it was look into the eyes of a baby and marvel and like, I think if any parent is hi- here they'll know and, and, and I just encourage you to look at the closest baby you can find and then deny that it was an accident that that was created you, you look at the ear there's nothing that forms an ear it just forms and I, um, I, I'll dispute to anyone that that's accidental like
1: There's there's a lot of um, theological, they call it um, the arguments for the existence of God and they talk about uh, creation, experience um, and they also talk about um, that within every person there's an awareness of God. There's an awareness of God. And Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes these words and you'll know them, you'll remember. Talking of God in chapter 3 verse 11, again talking about God as a creator, he's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. So, uh, you've often heard it say that there's a God space in each of us, like God has set eternity in us and um, and he invites us uh, to come and to be with him and to know him and to know Christ, his son and um and, and so uh, as we do that, then we begin to really know the Lord.
0: Two comments. I've got one coming from Tim and one from Greg. Can we just do those two? And I want to move on if we can.
1: Ho- hopefully
4: I don't um, cause conflict here. But in, in humility, I want to like, be as humble as I can about this, but I kind of disagree with how we're saying we can be certain that there is a God. Um, and I have two main reasons for that. One is I don't think it marries up with an, a, uh, an understanding of Scripture and how it talks about how we can be certain that there is a God. I think a central doctrine, which is uh, an important thing, uh, look into doctrine in your own personal time anyway, I won't explain it. Um, we believe by faith. Uh, and you, I, I would say as an opinion you don't know. You don't know that there is a God because as soon as you know something you don't require faith. And a central part of Christianity is that we have faith. We believe that it is true and we believe that because we're convicted by the Spirit. When we're talking about um, is, is Jesus part of the Trinity or was he God, in those passages in John that we kind of looked at a little bit, some of that came from there, it says um, the Father draws those um, to believe in Jesus. Yeah. And the reason why faith is so important is because it is something from God. And if you, if you hinge your faith on, say, looking at creation and going, I can't explain this, there must be God, not only is it not in, um, in agreement with, with scriptures that talk about it being faith and it's God reaching to you and convicting you, I exist, you are broken and you need me and that's something we can't control. And something not, I, can't, I struggle to talk about because I have a view that's quite different to most people in the church There's a testimony maybe I could share one day, but I held a view that was based on human arguments, saying um, there must be a God because, say, we look at the human body and it's too complex. And I went on a journey of trying to discover um, more about what we know about the human body, um, space, geology, all these things. That's why, like Jenny before said, Tim knows heaps of science stuff. I spent like three or so years obsessively reading stuff scientific papers i went right down all these rabbit holes um and it heavily challenged my faith because i i think i built it on the wrong thing i built it on human arguments there is a god because i can't explain it that's a human way of thinking about things going i can't explain it but it's flawed because we don't know everything and that's why we must hinge on faith Mm. Because that is the way God reaches to us. Why does he use faith and why doesn't he just put neon signs there going, there is a God? Who knows? It's how he chooses to work, I believe, and I think scripture clearly says that. Mm. It's by faith that you you know that there is a God. And it's something that starts small. Maybe the Spirit just what convicts you of it a small bit. And like James was saying, as you journey on that faith, that journey of faith, God builds it. Mm. God adds to your faith. It all comes Mm. from God. And we shouldn't hinge on human arguments because they're all flawed. That's
0: thanks, thanks, Tim. Yep. Uh, and Green,
9: you know this is a it's a, a very relevant question. This: Are you certain there is a God? Because we are living in an increasingly atheistic and secular world, and so the atheist would say, you know, that God is a myth. <laughs> He's a mythical being. And I think that I find myself in agreement with Tim in that God reveals himself to people. That is the evidence of God. You will never convince an out-and-out atheist that God exists by reference to any physical Mm. um, evidence around the place. Sure, you know, I believe that God created. God is the creator. I might have different views about the mechanisms of creation and the time frames and all the rest of it, but God is the creator. But of course an atheist says, no, there was a big bang. So we're never going to touch bases on there. Where we have to touch base on is Jesus has revealed himself to me. Mm. Or God has revealed himself through Jesus to me and and in my life. So I can talk about that, Mm. those experiences. But the physical things tend to be dismissed purely because it does take faith. God reveals himself to us if we choose to ask him to reveal himself.
1: That's that
0: Hebrews 11.
9: And that's Hebrews 11, isn't it? Verse 6. So anyway.
0: Thanks, Greg. Can we move on to the next question? Question is five. How would Jesus treat LGBTQ people if he were here today? Can I find out what that acronym means?
7: Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
0: Is that... that? Thank you. So what was it, googled?
8: Yeah. Um, according
0: to Google, it actually is lesbian, gay,
8: bisexual, transsexual,
0: queer people. Thank you. I thought it was that too. This is a pretty easy one to answer yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what would Jesus do with these guys? The same as what he does for you. Yeah. He died to save your life <laughs> and he loves you love the way you are. Full stop. I don't think we need to discuss that any further. Six, I'm going to move on from that. We can come back to that later because I know we've got at least five more questions. Can we go to the next slide please? The next question is, is God still creating his universe? A good one. Now, These guys haven't had any time to think about these at all. Is God still creating his universe? Well, I'm wondering what
1: um, Genesis 1 speaks about and when God finally finished creation, He rested. So, is God still creating His universe?
0: Yeah,
9: yeah.
0: I think that's my answer. Uh, yeah, I think, I think right. we're discovering more yeah. and more of the universe for sure, and therefore, as we start wondering, is, is the universe still being created? Well, no, I don't think so. I think the actual answer is we're discovering more and more of the universe. Okay, I'm going to keep moving. What is the biggest challenge the Christian church faces in the coming decade? Oh, that's an interesting one. What's the biggest challenge the Christian church faces in the coming decade?
1: Wow. I think it uh, is worldliness um, I just think that the world exerts such a powerful influence on us as Christians and I'm um, thinking of Paul to the Romans in chapter 12 you know don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I, this world is, has this incredible power to conform uh, us as Christians to think and to do and to act just like it does. So I think that there's, um, I think there's a number of dangers, but I kind of look at that one. Mm. Um, I'm not saying it's the top one. It's it's just one that you know I kind of think that oh, that there's a big danger uh, that we're losing out to the world and Christians are becoming. Conform to its own, that world image and pattern.
0: Um, Yeah, I'd add apathy. I think the church is becoming very apathetic. Um, I think we're not prepared to move forward in our faith. I think we're not prepared to take up um, from our seniors in the past in some ways. And I think we've, we've become apathetic in our walk with God sometimes. So I think apathy could be, uh, I don't know, obviously the number one either, but I think that it's certainly, uh, apathy would be a, a big problem. Does so everyone understand the word apathy while using a word that we don't know? No? <laughs> <laughs> you taught me that one. <laughs> I, I think
3: for me, the thing that scares me, um, I guess the most about where we're at as a church, if, if, if you're an outsider, um, looking in. Um, a lot of people I would suggest uh, start to see church as being something that's irrelevant to their lives completely um, and that seems to be more and more so as time goes on in my lifetime. Um, so um, the thought of coming in a place and, and singing or, um, or even thinking about um, the concept of love like we see it as, as Christians is totally different to um, outside of, of the church. So we, we talk about love and intimacy with Jesus Christ. You talk about love and intimacy outside the church. they are talking about sex and, um, and relationship as such like that. So um, our relevance to um, people who don't know God um, is becoming more and more distant. So if if you're going to invite somebody to come to church and, and sing and feel comfortable in a place like this, it's never going to happen. Um, well, I shouldn't say never. It's, it's something that's so foreign from people they're not going to feel comfortable. And so w- when I see that, I think about the fact that of how important it is for us to be loving and compassionate in a different way and being more relevant to sharing our faith in a different way, not thinking that people are going to come here to find out about faith, that we have to be willing to share faith in a real way with, with other people outside of this place. Um, yeah, so. Any
0: other comments on that? Mary.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank
0: you, Mary. That was really good. Um, the next question is... Um, ha- yes, go.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Something yeah, uh, along the lines of what James was saying was something called per- perceived antiquity, which is society seeing the church as something that's old and outdated. Because mm-hmm. right now the human race is in an a era of explosive expansion in basically all areas. Technology, medicine, science, all of it is... Advancing at a much faster rate than it has in much of our history, to the point where a lot of younger people and some of older people are seeing the church as something that hasn't grown and evolved with the times the way the rest of society has, and that's something like, that can be a very real danger to bringing new people into the church.
0: Yeah, that, that's really good. Thank you for that. That's really smart. Yeah, now. yeah, good stuff. Okay, I'm going to move on to our next question. Uh, is how can a loving God send people to hell? Another really good question. Mm-hmm. How can a loving God send people to hell? Well,
2: I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the way that I would answer this is to say that he doesn't <laughs> because I feel like as a society now we... We just blame God. Like, that's what we do. Like, why does God do this to me? Why does God allow that? Why does God send people to hell? Like, we just put it all back on him. God's the creator of the universe. He's a sovereign God. He's, I am, he's perfect. Like, he created everything in the beginning how it was meant to be. He didn't stuff it up, we did. Well, I'd say. <laughs> Sorry, Preach I it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we blame God for a
0: lot of things. Too right Yeah, yeah. I agree.
3: Yeah. I, I, again, I, I, I can't. um it, 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 it make, I, I find it very difficult to understand how a loving God would actually do that. Um, in saying that, um, in this world, we still have the opportunity to experience God's love, mm-hmm. um, and, um. I would say everybody desires to have love and would experience love in some way or form in their life and God is the origin of, of that. He's the one who's um, created us to be who we are and and want and desire that and even in most cases people seek out to give that. Now, in saying that, I um, the way that I, I've perceived, because I've thought about this a little bit, and the way I perceive, perceive it is God withdraws his love from those people. So the hell that he's talking about would actually reflect the fact that there's a place without love because he's withdrawn himself from those people because those people have rejected him. Now if you imagine what that would be like, that would be hell. As far as I'm concerned, um, it'd be...
0: Yeah. Thanks, James. Um, I've got two comments to give. I'll give three. First one's Lauren.
8: I reckon like everyone asked this comment and when I was on camp leading the Primary Girls, they asked it. And my friend and I, the way we sort of saw it, is that um, the gift of eternity or God dying on or Jesus dying on the cross for us, that was a gift for us. Um, and as Christians accepting or responding to that is accepting that gift and I think that, yeah, that gift is available to everyone and when you don't accept that gift, God is a just and loving God. It's just, isn't that normal? Like if you're giving a gift to someone and they didn't take it, like, I don't know, it just makes sense that they don't get that gift if you don't take the gift and he has revealed himself to us through creation, through all these different things and yeah, then it comes to, we have one job to just respond to that gift. That's how I would see it.
0: Thank you, Lauren. Uh, Josh.
5: Yeah, I think um, building on what Lauren's point was, in God's very nature, he is love, but then again, he is also just. He's a just God and by just allowing those who have not repented and believed and uh, taken up the gift um, that he has given us, he's not being just by just, forgetting that and and just accepting them into the kingdom. I think that, uh, as Jen said, it is the people's choice to either um, accept the call that he's given because he's given that call out to everyone and those that receive that um, believe that. But um, I, I think that in his actual nature, he's not doing as a part of what he very is by just allowing those to... Going to the kingdom that have not repented and believed. Thanks.
1: Uh, I think,
0: oh, sorry. I've got one more comment from Rich if we can. All right. Yeah.
5: In
10: my experience, um, God is the only person that can actually judge all of us. And for some people, I believe that um, they go to heaven, they be with God, God judges them. And then as James says, God chooses to withdraw his love from them. So they sort of end up in a hell. And I think one of the reasons he does that is so that God, um, heaven, sorry, can be a safe place for the people um, that God judges to to stay there. And that's from experience. And
0: I've got one more, sorry, one more.
10: Kieran, just here.
8: Um, I think we can't um, forget free will Um, in God's love for us he gave us the the ability to be able to choose to be in relationship with him or choose not to and as Graham said before um, in scripture it says eternity is written in our hearts and on some level whether people want to believe it or not their soul is hungering for eternity is hungering for the creator of eternity And, um, you know, we have that choice. So it's not God's, it would not be God's desire to send anyone to hell. But because of our selfishness and our independence, he gave us free will. So it's not God who sends us to hell.
1: It's our choices that send us to hell. Hmm. And the scripture backs that up because um, the scripture says that God is not anxious that any should perish, but all should come to salvation through faith in his Son. And it's not God who sends us to hell. It's our sin. It's our unrepented sin. Um, And God is a God of justice. You're right, Josh and Lauren, because in Romans chapter 3, it talks about how uh, before faith in Christ, um, we were in our sin. But then this great exchange took place on, on the cross where Jesus took our sin and offered to any, the, anyone who would repent of their sins his righteousness. And so that righteousness, Paul says, comes by faith. Again, it's by faith that we receive um, this righteousness from God And so uh, he goes on to say there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption uh, that came through Jesus Christ. All have sinned and yet God offers justification to all um, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is showing this great love of God, not that God is wanting to send people to hell. But he loved the world, loved you and I so much that he sent his only son. And so it says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice. And we were just talking about that. He did this to uh, demonstrate his justice Uh, Let me see, find it. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. So, you know, this is an amazing gospel message that we have that God loved. He's not anxious that any should perish in so much that he sends his own son so that there's a way for us to be with him and to know him and to know his love in our hearts and uh, it's, it's an amazing gospel.
9: Yeah. That's, That's right. world right. world. Yes.
5: Yeah. He Thanks. says he's
2: standing at the door knocking, like, you know, he's seeking us and we have that choice, don't we, whether to open it or not. Yep.
0: awesome. Thank you. Look, folks, we've been going nearly 45 minutes, a little bit, nearly a little bit more than that. I have to round this up, but I want you to know, can we put, I've got 10 more questions that have come into us, which is awesome. There's no way we're going to get through it tonight. Can we put them, I'm not going to answer these tonight, uh, why is baptism, baptism important How can we prove the Gospels we read today are the same Gospels that we had read soon after the death of Christ? We sort of answered that. How accurate are the English transitions of the Bible? Next one. What's the difference between Catholics and Christians? Um, Are we able to lose our salvation if we decide to follow our own ways and choose not to believe in God? Good question too. Um, If yourself and another person were talking Uh, about your Christian faith and you asked asked of their faith and they said, "Uh, me too, I'm a Catholic, Uh, would you fear for their salvation? And if so, how would you go about preaching the Gospels to them in a loving, kind way? Oh, that's a good thing, I like that. Uh, Here's the next one and the next one. The Bible says it's coming... The Bible says that man was made for woman etc but then says that that we are to love unconditionally. If a person is inclined to love a person of the same sex, why does the Bible not condone it? Interesting question. How do we as Christians show love and support to someone who is in an openly gay relationship? Another good question. Um, why is there such a difference between the King James and NIV uh, that Christians argue about, and why? Yep, is that it? Is I that know it? Not right.
1: Why they really do it that.
0: We're not answering the questions, oh. but I am oh. going to. am going to give the panel, the panel, each and every one of you, you can have a, a final say. Maybe your favorite Bible verse was put up there. Uh, if you just have a couple of minutes to think about that, um, what I'm going to do with those questions that I've got. I'm going to take them on notice. I'm going to have a talk to Pastor Andy and maybe we'll do this again. It sounds like you like this. Are you enjoying this? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I'll even leave the number with you. You've got the number. You can still uh, SMS message uh, questions to that. I'm going to regret this. I've got a yes. feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to regret it. <laughs> there's, other, there's all the people out
1: here who can come up next time.
0: And, and, and I'll, ask, I'll talk to Andy and I'll see about putting some of those questions up to answer and I'll uh, try and get some answers for the questions that have been put up and I'll, put, I'll try and put them on our Facebook page or on our home page. What's well, probably best, I'll talk to Greg about that later on. Thank you so much for your questions, really good questions. Thank you for those who gave comment, I really appreciate your comments, um, it was re- very helpful. Uh, James, can I get you to go first, your final comments or verse.
3: Um, where I'm at in my journey at the moment, I think probably the most relevant um, thing for me is um, the importance of love. And I just keep getting belted with it all the time. And um, I think um, I was, I've been reflecting on um, a couple of bits of scripture which are my favourite bits of scripture. One is someone 1, which is talking about a man who. Um, continually seeks out God and his ways. He'll bear fruit in season and out of season. Um, another scripture which is Proverbs chapter 3 is Love the Lord, you, uh, sorry, <laughs> it's it's again talking about the fact that if you follow his ways that he'll make your path straight. And um, in recent times I was reading um, a, a, a bit of scripture in Proverbs um, which was talking about um, the, the consequences of living out God's way so it was listing things that and God has told us to do and the promise that he'll give you as a consequence of that. And um, after being a Christian for 30 years and starting to get a bit older and having my family grow up and all that sort of thing, I can see these things coming about in my life um, because of my persistence in my faith. And um, again, just that experience that God um, has been faithful to me as a consequence of me seeking out him is just the most amazing gift, I, and I, I just, um, continually just a standard of the love of God, and um, towards me because I keep choosing Him, and um, it's an awesome thing. Thanks, James.
1: Uh, what do I do? On my there? <laughs> um, look, truly, what, um, just thinking of that. Um, Romans 3 passage, um, I I just came aware anew just to the greatness of God's love and um, the tremendous um, power of the gospel to save. Um, So, you know, I mean, I just kind of felt that God was just laying something on my own heart just then. You know, and church, it really is truly this gospel should blow the wax right out of our ears. It's absolutely amazing. It really is amazing. So, um, so you know, just reading it again, I've gone, wow, you know, exchange uh, my sin for his righteousness. And boy, am I a sinner. And knowing that I can stand before the God my father justified through faith in the blood of Christ that was shed for me that I might be forgiven just blows me away
0: Jenny
2: um, I read these three little words the other day and it's something that I you know read a million times but it was just really weird it just really struck me and it's um, in John' um, 19 verse 20 something and it says it is finished it's just three little words and yeah like I said I've read it a million times but for some reason like I believe that God as you seek him he keeps revealing himself to you and um, I just bit like Graham I was just like oh my gosh it's finished like it just blew me away to another level and I was just like God paid it in full like and it just I was just really having a little party at home. Because <laughs> I was just realising, like, in a new way, in a fresh way, like, God paid it all. It's finished. Three little words. That are so amazing.
0: Thank you, thank you. Um, and my final... I actually was going to do John 3, 16, 17, 18 and 19. But Greg stole my thunder for that one. And and then I thought I might do Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for I know the plans, you know, uh, for you. But I said, no... I, th- and then I heard the bro, was, the word bro was uh, used tonight. The word bro was said this morning in our morning service too. We're calling each other bro. And then I thought, ah, oh, I know the verse. And, there, and it comes from uh, Romans 12, 12.1. 12, it says, therefore I urge you, bro, brothers, sisters, all of you guys, us, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritually, spiritual, act, spiritual act of worship. And then it goes on to the most important part. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve that God's will is his good and pleasing and perfect.